What do you think of ethnic food? That's a pretty broad term. I agree. But in the movie we're going to watch today, they they refer to everything that isn't like apparently bread and boiled chicken as ethnic food. Anything with a spice in it is ethnic. And salt counts as a spice. So uh, what do you what's your go to ethnic food? Um, All of it. I love all of it. And as a Greek person, do you consider Greek food to be ethnic food? No. That's your that's your, you know, I don't think so. But people when I tell them I'm Greek or if they find out I'm Greek, that's one of the first things that they ask me about is food. Do you know how to make this and do you know how to make that? And there are like 10 things on a, on a menu at a Greek restaurant. Mm hmm. And the menu is not very large. And I actually am not a huge fan of Greek food. I am. I know. That is the reaction I get. I've, I've gone, I think I've gone to the Greek festival with you, right? And yeah. people go for the food. And I like going because of the cultural experience. And I see people I know, but I never want to eat the food because, of course, everything I taste, I think, oh, my gosh, my mom makes this so much better. Or I make it so much better now that I cook. Interesting. Uh, but I, I understand why people like it. But if you grew up having to eat that food constantly and you're eating the same five or six meals, and even when you go to Greece, even on the islands where all the tourists are, the menus are pretty small. Mm -hmm. They're very traditional and they haven't really evolved. It's good, but I'm just sort of sick of it. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating to hear. I love cooking Greek food. I just two nights ago, I made a big meza platter type dinner yeah. and like, I, it's great. But I guess it comes, like you said, it comes down to what you've ate your whole life. Like if I had to eat spaghetti and chili all the time, like things yeah. my dad really liked making, you know, then. Yeah. I will say it is my go-to meal when I'm hosting because it makes people the happiest. Mm -hmm. So I always make lamb chops and souvlakia and Greek salad and tzatziki. And sometimes I make lukumadis, which are, you know, fried dough balls. And people are so happy and it's easy for me because I've done it a million times, but I, it's not what I would want to eat. I mean, it's good. It's fine, but it's not my favorite. That what really gets, you? that gets down to it though. It's like that variety thing. Exactly. Like when I go out to dinner, I don't go out to places typically that serve the things that I can make well. And so when I go to someone's dinner party, I don't want them to make the things that I can make well. You know exactly. what I mean? I want something different. So it's like my mom always says, but she says this everywhere. Oh, we could have made this at home. My mom wasn't a big fan of going out to eat because we didn't have a lot of money. And she would always just justify it by saying, oh, I could have made this at home and it would have been so much better. I do think I avoid Middle Eastern foods because it's so similar to Greek foods. Like I'm not going to go to the, the Lebanese food truck or the Syrian food truck. Or the Turkish one, because it's just the same thing that I grew up on or similar. I love Asian food. I love Vietnamese food. I love Japanese food, Chinese, good Chinese food, um, Thai, all of that. My favorite. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Asian food as well for those similar reasons. They're just things that were a special treat growing up because, you know, my, my dad ever, my dad did all the cooking in our house. And whenever he tried to make Asian food, it was just the worst stuff ever. And so he didn't do it very often. And so it was a big deal to go out and get something fancy. And then as an adult, I got introduced to Indian food, and that's probably my favorite food. Huh. I just love Indian food. And it's so varied. And you think of it in these small little things. Oh, it's curry and rice. And that's definitely a big part of it. But there's so much other stuff going on. To me, like, I've often, I, I, I think about food a lot. I love to cook and I, I love to eat. And I've thought about what my favorite cuisines from, like, if I had to rank my top five cuisines from all over the world. 
it's such a hard thing to do. And American food, whatever that is, doesn't even enter the discussion. It's kind of crazy. I love Indian food. I haven't had Indian food in so long. In fact, I need a good recommendation for Indian in Portland. It's just been a while since I've had it. Absolutely love it. I love Peruvian food. I think ceviche is like one of my top five favorite foods. Anything with like citrus, marinating in citrus juices, so good. But I agree. French food's good. Italian food's good. Even like some German food's good. I love going to Oktoberfest, but Mm -hmm. I prefer so many other ethnic foods over European traditional dishes. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know if I would put any European cuisines on my top five world cuisine list. I mean, I've got Indian food, Mexican food, you know, Vietnamese food, maybe Korean food. But then there's how do you choose between Chinese and Japanese? And it's so hard. I don't know. It's it's hard for us because we have a lot of great Asian food in Portland too. Mm -hmm. And it's like overwhelming. Like if you want to go out for Vietnamese food or Thai food, it's like just too many choices. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, definitely. I had the the best pasta I've probably had in at least 20 years this past week in Portland. It was gnocchi and it was like a really simple little plate. And it was so good that I was swearing. I just was like, Oh my God, this is, this is dangerously good. And my husband was like, keep it down, keep it down. <laughs> it was fantastic. If it was, it was at Pastifis, I, I can't pronounce it. It was Pastificio Doro. It's in St. John's and they were a little pop-up and now um, they're a full restaurant in St. John's and I recommend it to anyone. It's incredible. Two dishes a night. They make it fresh. When they run out, they run out. But if you get there and you get anything they serve. It's fantastic. Well, that's a good recommendation. You you mentioned Peruvian food a minute ago. I have actually been to Peru and eaten Peruvian food in oh, Peru. Yeah. yeah, I'm very sophisticated. Um, so when we were in Peru, I was not super impressed with Peruvian food in Peru mm-hmm. just because it's very basic food. I think the ceviche I had was phenomenal. But then when we got, got away from Lima and into the inland, into the mountainous regions, that's not a, an option really anymore. And so- one thing I did have that is very, it gets always gets a reaction is I eat a guinea pig. It's huh. a traditional dish yeah. there. It's called cooey and it's served whole. Like I have a picture with the eyeballs and the teeth are still in it. And yeah. it it's basically like a really small chicken. I mean, it's not great food. I mean, it was fine. It was weird when we were there. The things that were the most popular there for the locals were rotisserie chickens, which were pretty good. But Chinese food was huge there and pizza. Well, yeah, I'm guessing their everyday stuff isn't the fancy stuff that we get to eat in a Peruvian restaurant in Portland, whether it's a price thing or just accessibility or whatever. Yeah, they're just like us. They make that stuff at home. They don't want to go out to eat it. Yeah. Do you like octopus? I do like octopus. Yeah. Because that is probably my favorite besides like a really good like lamb chop octopus is is my favorite thing that I grew up eating and especially I used to spend the summers with my grandparents in Athens and we would just go to a restaurant any restaurant just pick it off the line outside and just point to the octopus that you want and they grill it for you and put a little lemon juice and olive oil on it Mm -hmm. and I've purposely avoided my octopus teacher because I've talked to a lot of people who (laughs) say you won't want to eat it and I'm like really then I'm not watching the movie I can't I can't it's so good That's why we don't name our cows. 
Welcome to Film Swap, the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reasons. I'm Angelica Thornton. I'm Nick Fool, and today we are watching rom-com classic Along Came Polly. Reuben Pfeffer made a career out of avoiding risk. People wonder why they get E. coli poisoning. On average, only one out of every six people wash their hands when they go to the bathroom. So he always made a safe choice. I would ensure your marriage any day of the week. Hello, are you guys for scuba? I think I'm gonna skip the scuba diving. You sure? But just when he thought every danger could be avoided. Ahoy, mateys! Oh my God. From Universal Pictures. Since we've been together, I felt more uncomfortable, out of place, and just physically sick than I have in my entire life. But I couldn't have gone through all that if I wasn't in love with you. You got to me. When I'm making out with a girl, I like to give her a little spanking. What? You just tap her real light right on the tushy. I don't think she liked it. Yeah, some women find it offensive. Ben Stiller, Jennifer Aniston. Along came Polly. You got to me. You got to me. You got to be Okay, so along came Polly. Uh, interesting that you just called it a classic. I don't know if it's a classic, but um, it's a classic for me. We'll see well, what you have to say about it. Uh, so here's the summary. Uh, after his wife cheats on him on their honeymoon, Reuben Pfeffer, an uptight newlywed, finds his strictly organized life descend into chaos when he reconnects and falls in love with an old classmate who teaches him how to live life on the edge. This is a 2004 uh, romantic comedy starring Ben Stiller, Jennifer Aniston, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Deborah Messing. It's got a lot of cool people in there. Great actors, Hank Azaria, Alec Baldwin uh, among the supporting cast. And some good random cameos. Kevin Hart. Well, that's small not a role. It's not a cameo. I know, it's, not a ca- was, it's not even a cameo. Yeah. He's just kind of in the background. He wasn't famous yet. No, not at all. I think this is one of his first movies. Cheryl same, Hines is in it. Same with Cheryl um, Hines. Yeah. And Judah so, Friedlander, if you're a 30 yeah. Rock fan. Oh, him. right. I love I love him. It was written and directed by John Hamburg, who co-wrote uh, Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers. He also co-wrote Zoolander with Ben Stiller. And he wrote and directed I Love You, Man. So there you go. That kind of tells you a lot. This is his style. He definitely has a formula. Uh, why hadn't you seen this yet? Uh, you know, that's a fine question. Part of it is because when this movie came out, I wasn't clued in yet to my enjoyment of rom-coms. I thought there was, you know, girly movies. I was 24 maybe when this came out. Twenty? No, 2004. I was 26 when this movie came out. I just wasn't quite on board with rom-coms yet. And subsequently, I've avoided it because I've discovered in my life that there are two different Ben Stillers. There's the Ben Stiller who makes cringe comedies that I don't like. And then there's the Ben Stiller who makes thoughtful things that I do like. And this definitely veers into the the first category. And so that's why I avoided it. And that's part of the reason I have some problems with this movie, which we can discuss. Yeah, I thought you would. I think I hinted last week that I didn't think you'd like it. Um, going back though, do you think, especially around 2004, the way these films were marketed bothered you? Cause it was super cheesy. Like even the posters, they were all like leaning on each other's backs and doing the same thing. All these rom-coms. I remember I walked out of failure to launch. I was with a huge group of friends watching that movie in Boston. 
men and women were all just hanging out and I, I couldn't take it. I thought it was the worst movie I'd ever seen. So I, I went across the street to a bar and I waited for them to come out of the movie. And I just remember the trailers being bad. In fact, this trailer kind of gives away the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I don't do remember. You, the, I don't do you remember think the, trailer, the way yeah. these movies were marketed at the time bugged you and turned you off? No, I, I, I don't think the marketing had anything to do with it for me personally. It really was just me being unopened to a romantic comedy, period. And I knew that it was a rom-com. I didn't have a lot of money, so I was picking and choosing my my movies carefully. Um, I've only walked out of a couple of movies in my life. Anger management, I walked out of hmm. 15 minutes in. But um, but it's it's that same thing. It's this cringe comedy. It's this building of pressure that is supposed to be released with a big laugh. But when the big laugh doesn't come, there's no release valve. And I just feel like I'm going to die. That's the release valve. But at least a fart offers relief. It's like the kind of thing where you have to fart, but someone's next to you and you don't want to fart. So you kind of just clamp it in and you can feel it going back up inside your body. And then you just feel worse. That's exactly what it is. And so- I try to avoid these kinds of movies, generally speaking, because I don't yeah. f- feel good. Now, I will say this movie has more laughs than to me than the. So John Hamburg, you mentioned the director. Mm-hmm. He's done a whole bunch of movies that I hated and one movie that I really liked. So I hated Meet the Parents. It's probably my least favorite comedy of all time. And then all of the subsequent sequels, obviously, I just feel like it's such a mean spirited movie with not enough laughs to release what you feel inside. And I just don't like that we're supposed to laugh at people being horrible to him and he's a good person. And then his fiance doesn't stand up stand up for him. Yes. And it's just this whole thing. Yes. I just I just hate that movie, right? So you take those out. I hated those movies. I don't get the hype over Zoolander. I think that it has some funny parts, but I don't think it delivers on the laughs consistently throughout. I think it's a fine enough little trifle. It's fine but... for my 10-year-old and 13-year-olds now. But I've rewatched it since then. I'm like, yeah. And I I actually feel the same way about there's something about Mary. I remember laughing out loud in the theater and now I watch it and I'm sort of appalled and not entertained at all Mm -hmm. by that movie. No, I completely agree. I didn't really love that movie when it came out either. I mean, there's a couple of huge laughs. Obviously, you know which ones I'm talking about. But just I I just don't like movies where cruelty is the point. Yes. When you talk about meet the parents, I remember this, the way I felt when he came downstairs in his pajamas and everyone is dressed perfectly and they're ready for the day and no one woke him up and he's so embarrassed and his fiance does nothing to make him feel better. mm -hmm. And I just remember cringing and thinking, I would die if that happened to me. I would be so angry at, you know, my partner and I would think, why would I ever want to be in this family? Like, who does that? That's not normal. Exactly. And I and I think you see kind of that strain of cruelty throughout all of his films. I will say the one movie he made that I really do like is I Love You, Man. I, I think that it's just sort of such a bizarrely, I don't know, it's, it's such a silly, good natured film that any little cruel moments just dissipate in pretty much instantly. So I, I like that movie better. But even that movie has like it's it's really gross. John Favreau character talking yeah. to uh Jamie, um, his wife, they're just awful to each other. And that's supposed to be hilarious how yeah. just terrible they are. But they, I, I, that's, it's not for me. Yeah, so, And it is very early 2000s style too. There were so many of these. It's hard to even keep track. I was um, checking out how to watch this 
like if I was going to watch it on Netflix or Amazon and I saw that it had a 27% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes and I was actually kind of surprised. And then I wondered, um, am I remembering this film right? I've watched it several times over the years, but it's been a while. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to hate it, but I still like it. I I get what you're saying about some of those cringy moments um, that leaves you feeling uncomfortable, but I still don't understand how it got so many bad reviews compared to so many other movies that I think suck. And I'm reading all the reviews and thinking, what's wrong with me? Why do I like this movie so much? Well, I mean, part of it is you had, you saw it when it came out. So you have that place. Yeah, that sense the initial memory. reaction to it. Definitely. And I will say it had a lot of genuine laughs. That's the big thing, too. You can you can forgive some things if it's funny, you know, funny wins. Right. And so it does have a lot of big laughs. And I enjoyed parts of the movie for sure. I'm not saying I absolutely hated it or that it's on par with like Meet the Parents. It's not. I mean, there's some genuinely funny stuff in there. Uh, the um, all the stuff with Sandy Lyle, his buddy is pretty funny, yeah. although he well wears out his welcome eventually. But at the same time, they show some restraint there because he sort of disappears from the movie about halfway through, only popping back up occasionally. So that was smart because he's pretty obnoxious as a person, but you get enough laughs out of him to make it worthwhile. I, I thought that uh, Hank Azaria was really funny in it. Like yeah, you hate so him, great. but you kind of lo- kind of yeah, don't, you know. Great. Um, um I, I, It has a very likable cast. Um, Hank Azaria, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was doing really serious films at the time did this and sort of just leaned into it. And yes, he's totally overbearing, but I thought he was probably one of the brightest spots in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's got, of course it's got Alec Baldwin, all these great characters. And I think Jennifer Aniston is really lovable in this film. She's not like, she's very much like Rachel only a little bit flakier, like Rachel like, from friends. But yeah, I if, if, if Rachel so was likeable. like, she was half a hippie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the basketball scenes are great with Philip Seymour Hoffman. They always make for the best memes and gifts. And it's been, you know, how many years? 29 years, uh, 19 years. Um, you play basketball mm-hmm. all the time, every week. Mm-hmm. Do you hear people saying these things? No, no, of course. No, no, it's no, been too long. No, one and you're like, my friends that. are cooler than that. <laughs> Well, I mean, it depends who you're playing with. Like I, when you play with like teenagers, there's definitely more trash talking happening. Old yeah. guys, we know better because. No, but I mean like specifically like. Oh, like make it rain. Using the lines from the movie, like Philip Seymour Hoffman lines. No, I mean, I make think. Make it rain, white chocolate, rain man, raindrops. All of that stuff makes for great gifts, but I don't think that people yeah. actually yeah, remember right. the movie in that yeah. way. But we know that when we look up basketball and we want to put a GIF on Twitter or whatever, that's the first one that pops yeah, up. Exactly. So we use it. So I think it does live. <laughs> and Bill and I did way. shout these things in the driveway when Soren was learning to play basketball. He had no idea what <laughs> we were doing, but it worked. Um, I I also think one of the things about this this movie that works is that it w- it seemed very tightly constructed to me. Like it mm-hmm. flew by really quickly. They keep the scenes going with really good edits, edits at exactly the right points. So even the subplots, I think, move along and it just kind of flies by. They don't let things play out too long and linger. That's very true. Yeah, they definitely keep the, keep the show moving. I agree. Um, 
I think that the writing is one of the areas that does fall down a little bit. I think Polly is a pretty underdeveloped character. She's just Nathan uh, Rabin, who's a writer I really like. I may be saying his last name wrong. He wrote for the AV Club, and now he's written all kinds of stuff. He 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 invented the phrase "manic pixie dream girl." Have you ever heard of this? No. It's a it's a phrase that describes a woman in a movie who's just sort of kooky, and she shows up to loosen up an uptight male protagonist. And there's tons of them in films. Almost half the rom-coms in the world have one. And he yeah. coined this phrase, manic pixie dream girl. And she is exactly that. She Everything in her character is in service of what he needs for the most part. You know what I mean? She loosens him up. Um, she helps him get over his girlfriend. I just feel like I don't really know who she is other than he went to middle school with her and she's kind of sloppy yeah she's like phoebe it just hit me she's like a cross between phoebe and rachel that's exactly it it's that's if, what if, she was playing if jennifer aniston was cast as phoebe that's what you'd get yeah and i think what really doesn't work in this film is how predictable it is you're talking about the writing the opposites attract formula there's nothing really surprising here i mean this has mm -hmm. been done a thousand times and we have to talk about the gross out humor um there's so much of it. I mean, it starts with Alec Baldwin, uh, the boss, Stan, farting and, and peeing despite his apparent prostate problems in the bathroom. I found that really gross. It was so realistic. And then the sharding thing with Sandy, Philip Seymour Hoffman. This was actually the first time I remember learning what the word shart meant. Wow. Historic. And I was, it was, I was so grossed out by it, but I felt like... I, God, if I had only had this word, because, you know, you talk about these things, not personally. Sure. Then, oh, hey. Oh, yeah. My friend. This is for a friend. I mean, I have said accidentally, I have said the word shart on the news at least five times. Every winter I say flu sharts. Every flu sharts. winter. Get your flu sharts. And <laughs> just it just doesn't end every year. I It's in my head. Um, but yeah, that was disgusting. Uh, the the one of the grossest things in the movie is that that collision with the the sweaty Sasquatch on the basketball court. Oh, yeah. where his face went up against his See, chest. That's there's a lot of truth in that. Guys who take their shirts off to play basketball uh, when they don't need to. Oh my god, it's the worst. And and anyone who wants to play shirts and skins is psychotic because the guys with no shirts on have an advantage. It's like it's like trying to catch a greased pig. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I say this as a sweaty person, like I'm that guy. I, I sweat a lot when I exercise. It's so gross. And you're just covered in your arms and like, oh, it's I'm... disgusting. Oh, I feel like Ruben right now. And of course, we have to talk about the the IBS revenge after the Moroccan food. Mm. That that was in the trailer. And that's like, I feel like that's like the biggest scene in the movie. It's so juvenile. But I was dying when it was happening. And when he turned on the shower, who hasn't pooped at someone else's house and like reached over and turned on the faucet? Yeah. Or wished when you're in a public bathroom that you lived in Japan because like everyone can hear everything and you're just, it's awful. Um, when she opens the door, <laughs> it's just, it's awful. You want to die. And then the edit cuts to him just leaving with the loofah in the plastic bag. And that that scene actually had one of the although I didn't hate that scene, I think, as much as you thought I would. I think it was short enough 
that it didn't drag on too long. And yeah. I think it had one of the funniest jokes in the whole movie when he realizes there's no toilet paper and he looks down at the cat. <laughs> I really laughed hard at that. The ferret. Yeah. The ferret. The ferret. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, what can I use? What can I use? And why would you settle? Well, and I kept yelling. At him, You've already turned the shower on. Just get in it. That takes care of your wipe problem. Oh, God. I was like, just like, just dying. And I listen. I had IBS in high school and all through college and in my 20s because I was a woman who was stressed out. And it wasn't as bad as it is in this movie. But there was one <laughs> there was one incident. I'm with my high school boyfriend the summer after we graduated and we're visiting his parents in New Jersey. And I'm in the bathroom for like 45 minutes. Nothing is happening. I'm not like clogging a toilet or anything, but I'm like, I'm having stomach issues. I'm stuck here. He's knocking on the door. Is everything okay in there? And I just kept saying, because I was an idiot, I was 17 years old. Yep. I'm doing my makeup. Yep. I'm doing my makeup. 45 <laughs> minutes later, I, I come out and he's like, you don't have any makeup on. <laughs> the natural look oh god it was awful and so i'm just thinking about the pain but you know what ben stiller always does this there's always a scene in a bathroom where he's freaking out and i don't know it's a bit much it is a bit much um we were speaking briefly about uh well let's talk more about the gross out humor here because because one of the key points of the gross out humor is that ben Stiller's character has bathroom problems because he's eating the ethnic food we mentioned earlier. And that seemed really gross to me. It's like low-key racist to say any food that isn't white people food is going to give you diarrhea. It's, it's such an easy joke. It's It just seemed weird to me. And also, like, I've never had spicy Middle Eastern food, or at least Middle Eastern food so spicy that it would cause the reaction. Like Moroccan food? I yeah. agree. And I thought of that and I hated the way like his parents were treating the person in the Indian restaurant. I mean, that obviously hasn't aged well. Totally yeah. racist, but believable because I can see an older boomer couple doing exactly that. Yeah. Um, And I don't think it was intentional. I mean, you know, that kind of food has the reputation, spicier foods of causing big problems for people with IBS. And the reality is it does. Like if you eat anything with any spice in it, you're screwed or cheese or a number of other things. But let's not get into a, a gastrointestinal podcast here. So I don't think it was intentional, but it made me cringe, mm -hmm. not because it was gross, but because I felt bad. I was like, why are they singling out, you know, these three or four ethnicities? Yeah, you could have done and connecting one. them to like diarrhea. Exactly. It's not just the one joke, which is cheap and groanable, but it's like the string of them. Yeah. You know, um, so if there are lots of things that could make you sick, you could have there's other kinds of spicy food that wouldn't be so targeted at ethnic minorities and their food. And the way Polly grabs the Moroccan food and then smacks it back down into the plate when she's sitting on the floor. No one acts like that. No one no one touches their food like that. It was yeah. sort of it was repulsive and it made it like. I think the point there was like, look, it's dirty and mm -hmm. it's going to make you sick. Exactly. That's a very astute point. Yeah. So th that really rubbed me the wrong way. And then, yeah. as you mentioned, when his parents were rude to the waiter, I will say real quick, uh, the parents, you notice who his mom was. Yes. Michelle Lee. From... And I think she hadn't been in anything 
forever before this, right? Yeah, from Herbie the great. Love Bug, if you yeah. recall. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the plot because one of the other issues I have is it's just not a believable relationship. Yeah, my wife Marissa and I were talking a lot about that. Yes, continue. Yeah, I mean, would they click in real life? Probably not. She's this free-spirited She's a literal Pollyanna, right? So she does see the best in him, looks past his neuroses. Um, and the fact that he like assesses risks every time he walks in a room. But I can't see her falling in love with him. There's one point where he he learns to salsa dance and she kind of looks at him and she's thinking, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. And, and I think that's the point where we are supposed to believe that she's fallen in love with him. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't enough. Yeah, we had a hard time figuring out what she might possibly see in him. So maybe she goes out with him at first because they went to middle school together and that makes sense. Sure. But then once they are so obviously different from one another and he's it's not like he's offering her a lot. He's not making a lot of funny jokes. He's not showing a lot of empathy towards whatever it is she's got going. He's just sort of borderline you know non-communicative he, he doesn't put much out there i just don't see what she is seeing in him to make her go okay yeah this guy might have something i just I think, don't see it so i think it might be his reliability you know she's had some issues in the past um with commitment you know her father had a secret family and she travels around the world and tries to have this big life but seems like she's never really had had anyone who's taking care of her um I still think it would be hard to hook up with Ruben. He's a good guy. He Maybe she's thinking in the back of her head. He's good partner material, good father of your children material. He's the kind of guy who, you know, walks around the house with a clipboard and makes sure everything's, you know, the maintenance is done and and has a cup of coffee for you ready in the morning when you get up every day. But do you want this guy slapping your butt and yelling 50 when you're hooking up? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, probably. Do you see the faces he was making while he was salsa oh, dancing? Just I so was, over the top mugging. Was, Imagine now he's six inches from your face in bed doing those same faces. Like, is that what you she, want? I mean, I'm dying watching him on the dance floor. And that's the moment she's supposed to be falling in love with him because he's so endearing. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. It's just not believable to me. Yeah, he was too ex like. You don't want him to be super cool and suave because that wouldn't be his character. Yeah. But at the same time, he needs to be able to pull it off in a way that doesn't make you want to look the other direction. And he's making these faces and he's so exaggerated with his motions and like. It's like, I wonder if this was written just for Ben Stiller. It's the same character he plays in mm -hmm. so many films. I mean, yeah. he's perfect at it. We've seen it before in all those other movies we mentioned. It's his shtick. Like that whole dancing scene was just everything that Ben Stiller does. Mm -hmm. I agree. And 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 then that gets to, to are you making a wildly over the top slapstick comedy where it doesn't really matter what the emotional stakes are? Or are you making something where these people are supposed to exist in the real world? And yeah. I feel like this movie at times tried to have it both ways. And the, that in particular, that scene illustrates that. And I think Jennifer Aniston is just adorable. This was sort of the height of her career. Um, and so she could have, I'm not saying she mailed it in, but she could have mailed it in and been likable in this film. Mm -hmm. 
Well, she had to do a lot of heavy lifting because the, again, there was no, we don't know much about her. So all we got to rely on is we know who Jennifer Aniston is. We generally like her. She seems like a sweet lady. That's all yeah. we have. And, you know, apparently, apparently she was shooting friends and Bruce almighty at the same time. Uh, and she said she chose to do this film because she wanted to work with uh, Ben Stiller, who is her friend, and she wanted to dance the salsa. So there you go. That's why she took the role. Right. Um, yeah. Um, what have we not talked about here? So they end up together. They go back. Why would you go back to the exact same beach that you your spouse cheated on you? She, they go back and they meet up with Claude again. And Claude's, you know, everybody likes Claude. But like, why would you go back to wherever that was? I don't know. I mean, I don't even want to go back to the same restaurants that I had memories with my exes in. Why would you want to go to St. Bart's and sit in the same spot where you were sitting, you know, right before you found your wife, what, on the first day of their honeymoon, mm -hmm. screwing the scuba instructor with her flippers still on? I don't know if he if that was his healing process or what. Yeah, I win. Maybe he just really missed Claude. He, Claude's so likable. I kind of like that he didn't have hard feelings against Claude. I like that. There, mm -hmm. you know, he didn't come back and like seek revenge or anything. Like he's over it and Claude did him a favor. I, I like that. Yeah, I suppose. Um I also think it's funny, like just you were mentioning that okay, it was the first day of their honeymoon when they when she cheated. They launch right into him getting over her within a two week, weeks. two weeks. Like, I don't know anybody who would be like that. I would oh. be comatose. Yeah. Uh, I, so again, kind of, I don't know. Not believable. Not believable. Yeah, not believable. Okay. So um, overall, I still think it's funny because there are, for me, laugh out loud moments. And I think it's sweet enough and fun enough. Mm -hmm. Um. I've never thought about it as much as I did today, obviously. So I see some problems with the film, but I still really like it. And I still think it deserved better reviews than it got. It was a little harsh. Reasonable people can disagree, Angelica. I would not recommend this movie. I did not care for it. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't regret watching it. But I, I wouldn't say to someone, you'll like this. Yeah. It's fun if you're home and it's free. It's not the best movie ever, but I don't think it should slip into obscurity. I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's like a good TBS afternoon kind of movie. Yeah, if, that's if a perfect you... way to describe it. It's no 50 first dates, which I think is a great rom-com. I've never seen that one. You'll have to put it on the list. Oh, that's so exciting to me because I really love that movie. Okay, I, we're going to have to do that one. I checked out on Sandberg, uh, excuse me, Sandler movies after The Waterboy. That that one was enough. So, I think you'll like this one. Okay, cool. We'll put it on the list. You know, yeah. we're, I, we're talking about, I think in February, we're going to do rom-com February. So you can put that on the list and I'll come up with some good rom-coms. I've got an excellent one I can't wait for you to watch as well called Music and Lyrics. Oh, nice. Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. Um, so that'll be fun. And actually, I, I don't think I'm going to put it on... Maybe I will, but if if you like Jennifer Aniston want a movie about salsa, I have an excellent, funny, heartfelt one that I guarantee you'll like. It's called Cuban Fury. It has Rashida Jones and um, Nick Frost. Uh, oh, I love them as as 
eventual romantic partners. It's got um his name is totally escaping. He's fantastic. It's got it's it's funny. You should see it. Um I love Rashida Jones. She's not enough stuff. I want to see lo- more. It's a low bit budget British movie, and she's the American who comes over, and they both bond over their love of salsa. It's got a crazy Ian McShane role, if you know who Ian McShane is. Yep. Um. So anyway, sweet. All right. I'll... What's what's my assignment for next week? Next week we're gonna go a totally different direction. We're gonna do science fiction, a very serious science fiction movie that I think is one of the best science fiction movies ever made. It's called Ex Machina. It's by Alex Garland, who is one of the, I would say, best science fiction filmmakers we have right now. He did. Um, he wrote uh, 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later. He directed Ex Machina. He directed Annihilation. He did um, uh, Sunshine. He wrote Sunshine, that Danny Boyle. It, it's great. I don't want to give anything away. It's just you got to just lock yourself in and be in a mood, though. Because it, you really got to pay attention and be into it. It's great. Okay, I will. I, I will uh, be well rested. Don't don't have the kids playing video games in the next room. Okay, all right. Watch it when you're ready. Okay, Along Came Polly is on Netflix. And... I I watched it on Hulu. I think. Oh, you did. Okay. Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix too. Okay. It's everywhere. Cool. Easy. Mazel mazel. Good things. That's Alec Baldwin at the urinal. Oh, I only I only remember one line from Alec when Baldwin when he's at playing the with his prostate. Mazel mazel, good things. That's the only line I remember. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at Angelica K A T U and follow Nick at Nick Vole. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there, and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Gold.